Hello, my friends. Welcome to Bill Allen's Facebook Studies. Glad to have you joining along with us. We are reading through the Daily Bible in chronological order. It is compiled by Eflagard Smith and is a wonderful daily Bible reading tool. I hope that you are doing that or using some other method to read through the Bible in 2024. That's an exciting thing. And as we go through this, again, this is the Bible in chronological order, so it's not just a Genesis through Revelation thing, although it does start in Genesis, as we have seen and have finished, and uh, ends in Revelation, as we will see at the end of this year. Uh, but it does it in chronological order, which means along the way, there's going to be some differences. We haven't seen any of those yet, because uh, Genesis is pretty much a forward, straightforward look into uh, the lives of God's people from the time of creation of Adam and Eve uh, all the way down to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and uh, specifically Jacob's sons and especially um, Joseph. Nice to see some of you joining in. My dear sister and friend Tia, good to see you. I've enjoyed being at North Tenaha this week some for their wonderful lectureship. Look forward to speaking out there on Thursday afternoon. My friends Eric and Cindy, glad to see you. My cousin Gail and Keith, glad to see y'all as well and all the others that will be signing on. As I mentioned, the North Tenaha meeting this week, Thursday, we will not have this Facebook study. Sorry about that, but I will be uh, at the North Tenaha Church building throughout the day, taking in some wonderful preaching and also maybe teaching a little bit myself. I am scheduled to speak in the afternoon and we'll be teaching from Nehemiah 13 as the theme of their wonderful lectureship has been uh, Nehemiah. Uh, but we are not in Nehemiah yet. That'll come, but that's going to be a ways away. Um, we are uh, beginning today the book of Exodus. Having read through Genesis, uh, we're reading through the book of Exodus starting this week and that introduces us to one of the most important characters of the Bible and that is the great lawgiver and leader, Moses. Um, Exodus chapter 1, the first five or six chapters of Exodus just move along quite dramatically. And we read about Moses, and then we get to chapter 7, and that's when the, the plagues begin, and God deals with the Egyptians, and ultimately um, Pharaoh lets the people go, and Moses leads the people out. Uh, but before we get there, there's a lot of drama in the first several chapters of Exodus. We left uh, scripture at the end of Genesis chapter 50 uh, with the death of Joseph and the Israelites in Egypt having been spared and saved through the uh, sovereignty and providence of God uh, through the hand of Joseph as uh, God set him up in Egypt and then he brought his family there uh, unbeknownst to them but ultimately uh, revealed himself and they all came including his father. Uh, Jacob, also known as Israel. And over the next uh, few hundred years, the people uh, really prospered and they grew and they multiplied and they became a threat to the Egyptians. And uh, in Exodus chapter one, it says there arose a Pharaoh in Egypt who did not know Joseph, who didn't remember that story, who didn't really care about the Israelites and how they had saved Egypt in the days of Joseph. All he knew is that they were a threat. They were multiplying. Uh, they were um, going to be difficult to handle if they chose to uh, rebel. And so he made them slaves, and the Israelites were in hard times. And they cried out to God uh, for a deliverer because uh, Pharaoh and his insecurity uh, had made them all slaves and uh, was uh, forcing them to work for uh, the state of Israel and to endure all kinds of hardship. 
And he continued to feel insecure so much so that he told the midwives who would be the ones who would bring about the Israelite children when it came time for them to be born. He told them, I want you, if you see a boy, uh, then toss him into the River Nile. Uh, if it's a girl, you can go ahead and let her live. But if it's a boy, when he's born, toss him into the River Nile. Well, the midwives were faithful to God. They didn't go for that. And so they did their best to try to hide them and to keep them alive. And, uh, and that made uh, Pharaoh even matter. And so he was after the boys. He was after the children of Israel. And there, there was a boy that was born, and his name uh, became ultimately Moses. But when he was born, his mother feared for his life. And so uh, she made a basket, and she put him in some reeds on the banks of the, of the Nile, uh, where it wasn't flowing very strongly, obviously, and told his sister Miriam to watch. And she did, and as she watched, she saw the uh, daughter of Pharaoh uh, come out there to bathe and to uh, do their stuff and with her, all of her servants. And they saw this uh, little basket that was stuck there and the baby crying inside of it. And sure enough, she saw it and she said, that's one of the Hebrew children. And so she took the baby as her own. And it, as God would foresee it, Miriam, Moses' sister, was there watching it all happen, and she went up to Pharaoh's daughter and said, would you like for me to go get one of the Israelite women to nurse the baby so that uh, uh, they can take care of him, be the nanny, so to speak? And um, Pharaoh's daughter said, sure. And so in that way, Miriam, Moses' sister, was able to go get their mother uh, so that she could raise Moses, even though he was raised in the house of Pharaoh's daughter. And so that went on for about 40 years. Remember I said in the little blurb about the class, Moses' life is divided into three sets of 40, 40, 40, 40. He lived to be 120. And uh, we just summarized really the first 40 years because that's really all we know until we get to age 40. <clears throat> the next 40 years will be Moses uh, running for his life. And we'll get to that in just a moment. The last 40 years, of course, is when Moses comes back to Egypt, challenges Pharaoh, and, uh, and confronts him in the name of the Lord, and ultimately delivers the people and takes them through the wilderness to Mount Sinai to receive the law, <clears throat> to build the tabernacle, to worship the Lord, to venture towards the promised land, but because of unfaithfulness, uh, they're there in the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses, when he brings them to the brink of the Jordan River to cross to get to the promised land, um, he is unable to go across because of his own personal sins, but he's also 120, and he passes the leadership on to Joshua. But again, that's a ways away. We're now Moses at age 40, and remember, he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, but he was also raised by his own uh, Jewish mother, so he knew he was an Israelite. He knew those were his people, even though they were slaves, and he was not, because he was raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Uh, he had plenty. Uh, nobody else did. At age 40, <clears throat> Scripture says in those first couple of chapters of Exodus that Moses saw an Egyptian beating an Israelite. And so he went and killed the man and tried to hide the body. And then the next day he saw two Israelites arguing with each other. And he told them, hey, straighten it up, guys. You don't need to be fighting with each other. And, and they said, so are you going to kill us the way you killed the Egyptian? And that's when Moses knew that everybody else knew. 
And so when Pharaoh, of course, found out, he was going to have Moses put to death. And Moses ran for his life and left. At the age of 40, he went to the land of Midian, and there he stayed for 40 years. Uh, in Acts chapter 7, uh, Stephen, who would become the first Christian martyr, has one of those great, great sermons to the Jews in the first years of, uh, of the church. And as he's doing that, he's summarizing everything, and he gives us a little hint of something that happened at this time when Moses killed the Egyptian and what was going through his mind. And we don't get that in the book of Exodus. It doesn't give this little commentary. But Stephen and, uh, and Luke, writing about it, uh, being led by the Holy Spirit, says this in, in Acts 7, verse 23. <clears throat> when Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them. That's what was going on in Moses' mind. We'd been praying for a deliverer all these years, and Moses says, I'm him. I'm it at age 40. But, Scripture says, the people did not. They did not realize that God was using Moses. They didn't believe it. And, in fact, they were correct. The next day, verse 26, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, your brothers, why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who mis was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? See, God, Moses thought God had, uh, but the people weren't buying it. And in fact, God hadn't yet. Verse 28 of Acts 7, Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. Moses runs for his life, much like uh, Elijah did when uh, Queen Jezebel threatened him. Moses runs away. He's 40 years old, and he goes, and he actually is in that Midian, that desert of Midian, in modern-day Saudi Arabia, I guess, down in that desert uh, peninsula there, um, just off the Arabian Peninsula. You have um, Moses running for his life, and he goes there, settles as a foreigner, lives for 40 years. All we know about that time is that he takes a wife and has, um, uh, has two sons. That's it. That's all we know. Moses is of the tribe of Levi. Remember Abraham and Isaac and Jacob? Jacob had the 12 sons, and they became the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those was uh, Levi. And Levi was one who had become the priestly tribe through Moses' brother Aaron, both descendants of Levi. So they were called Levites. When Moses sets up the tabernacle after he delivers the Egyptians, it's the Levites, that tribe, that is in charge of the tabernacle and the articles of worship. Later on, God calls Aaron, Moses' brother, to be the high priest. And after that, only descendants of Aaron are the priests. Uh, all of the descendants of Levi, including Moses, are Levites, and they're active in, wor in wor leading worship and helping take care of the worship things in the tabernacle, later the temple. But it's only the descendants, uh, the male descendants of Aaron, Moses' brother, who would be priests, and the oldest one would be the high priest. So all of that goes on. Moses is now at age 40. He runs and flees to Midian, and he's there for 40 years. Bill, what happens during that 40 years? I don't know. 
Scripture doesn't say. You know, a lot of times when that happens, you know that God is working on something, and usually he's working on somebody. And in this case, both are true. He was working on Moses, and he was getting the people 40 more years down the line ready for the deliverance that would come. But Moses wasn't quite the leader at age 40 that he thought he should be. Uh, much like us young men these days, and I certainly was there, maybe not so much now, but I remember it well, being very proud, very arrogant, very much thinking God's going to deliver the world through me. And sometimes that's possible, and it ultimately will be possible for Moses, but not with the attitude he had at 40. And so while he's in the desert of Midian, he is learning some valuable lessons, and I'm sure he had lots of long talks uh, with God as he missed his people, much like uh, Joseph uh, was uh, betrayed by his brothers and had to go to Egypt. But for Moses, it was his own doing. For Joseph, not so much. And so here we are. Moses is in the desert in Midian, and then he comes up to this strange site. There's a bush that's on fire, but it's not burning up. That's weird. It's not being consumed. And then it gets even weirder because at that time, Moses hears a voice calling out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses. And I've told you before, I've done a series of sermons on uh, times in Scripture when someone's name is repeated twice by the Lord. We saw it when Abraham was about to kill Isaac. I, Abraham, Abraham, God stops him. Here we see it again, Moses, Moses, God calls out to him from the burning bush, take off your sandals because the ground you're stepping on is holy ground. And so we have the great songs about this is holy ground. Um, and, and of course, Moses does that. And God tells Moses, hey, I've heard my people. I've seen their plight. I'm ready to deliver them. I want you to go back to Egypt, back to your people, and I want you to go before Pharaoh and confront him and tell him, the Lord God says, let my people go. Well, you would think that Moses would be jumping up and down saying, finally, thank you. I can't, I can't wait for the vindication when I go back and I tell all those Israelite brethren of mine, I told you so, I told you I was going to deliver you all, and you didn't believe me. Well, that's not the reaction that Moses has. He begins to make one excuse after another in Exodus 3 through 4. And at age 80, he's a different person than he was at age 40. And God calls on him to go, and Moses begins to offer one excuse after another. Who am I, he says. I'm a nobody. They don't believe me. And God says, I will be with you. He says, what if, what if they ask me, what is your name? What's the name of this God that spoke to me? I don't even know your name. And that's when God gives that, what is called the sacred tetragrammaton. It's four letters, Y-H-W-H. -H. It's the name for God that God gives himself. At this instance, in this moment, in Exodus 3 and 4, as Moses is interacting with God and offering his excuses at the burning bush. And so from those four letters, the Hebrew doesn't have vowels, just consonants. So from those four letters, Y-H-W-H, we get the name Yahweh. You've probably heard that. Y-A-H, let's see, uh, Y-A-H-W-E-H, -H, uh, and the name Jehovah adding in a few well-placed vowels, you can come up with the name Jehovah. And that's how the King James Version translates that. And the NIV translates it, the Lord, with the Lord in caps. Uh, 
Why? Because this became a sacred, sacred name for God. Literally means I am. Means I am that I am. It's it's existence. Moses says, what's your name? God says, I, I am. I am that I am. I, I exist and always have and always will. And the name became so sacred to the Jews that they refused to pronounce it. And that's why all these years later, and not very, even during Bible times, they didn't really know how to pronounce it very well because it could only be carried on uh, written form. They stopped saying it out loud out of reverence for the one who gave it to Moses. I don't even know your name. Tell them the I am has sent you. Uh, Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Moses still is not convinced. What if they don't believe me? God says, what's that in your hand? And he had his staff, a rod in his hand. He says, throw it on the ground. And it became a snake. And then God tells Moses, okay, pick it up. And Moses picks it up and it becomes his staff, a rod again. He tells him, take your hand and put it in your coat and takes it back out and it's leprous as if it was going to fall off. And then God says, put it back in and he does and he pulls it out and once again, it is, it is just fine. Uh, take your staff and touch the, touch the water with it. And when he did, it turns to blood. And so Moses is being shown by God hey, I've got this, and because I've got this, you've got this. Moses still doesn't buy in. He says, I'm not eloquent. I'm slow of speech. I don't talk good, in other words. And God's first response is, well, who made your mouth? It's the God who is calling you to do this. But then he also says, don't worry, your brother Aaron will be your spokesman. You go back and you meet him. He'll speak for you, and because of that, um, Aaron will receive some of the glory uh, as well. Finally, Moses gives up on excuses and just tells God, send someone else. Send someone else. He knows God's going to answer his every response. And God answers this one too. And here's what he says. That's it. We're done here. You're going. End of story. And to Moses' credit, he does. Ultimately, he does. I love the burning bush story. One of the things I especially love about it is that when we were at Woodland West Church of Christ in Arlington, our wonderful church family there, we, we used the story of Moses uh, for a vacation Bible school one year, and we had all the, all the decorations up in the auditorium and everything going on with all the classes, and we had a burning bush. We sent off, one of our ladies sent off and got a burning bush kit. Can you believe that they make something like that? It's a burning bush kit. And, and we, we tried to do it. In fact, hold on a minute. I'm going to go get it. See, you didn't think that I could find it, but I could. I just didn't think about it in time. But this is it. This is the burning bush kit. And actually, my friends Sabre and Jody sent off for it. Uh, and basically what it does is it had chemicals in it. And then you you uh, let the uh, you get a, a branch or of some sort off of a tree, and you put it in a, a bucket and you let it soak in the chemical solution all night long. And then the next day, when you try to light it, uh, you light it and it doesn't burn up at least for a while. That's the idea anyway. And we tried it out uh, before we tried it out on at Vacation Bible School, and it worked great. Worked great. And then we did it in Vacation Bible School, and we had it up there at the front. I was up there, and the and underneath the pulpit, we had a, a wet blanket and a bucket of water. We had all kinds of safeguards, and and sure enough, we started. We lit that thing, and all the kids were amazed. But 
it wasn't exactly as efficient as God's burning bush. Yeah, it didn't burn up right away, but it began to smolder and smoke. And poor Jody and Sabra, they were in the back, leaving it to me to decide. And they were thinking, put it out, Bill, put it out, Bill. And But Bill, you know, is wanting to try to make this thing work. And it went on. Let's just say that our auditorium smelled of smoke for quite some time after that. But hey, great story, great burning bush kit. Awesome. Awesome. Moses, however, had the real thing. And so when he finally realizes that God's going to not have it any other way, he sends Moses back and Moses goes and he meets his brother Aaron and he meets some of the leaders and he tells them everything that God had told them. And they're all excited at first. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, the Lord God says, let my people go so that they may worship me. And, and, and Pharaoh is not going to budge. He says, forget it. I'm not, you guys must have too much time on your hand if you're wanting to leave and go out and worship. So I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to cause you to not only make, continue to make bricks for uh, Pharaoh, but we're not going to provide you straw to make the bricks from. You need to go out and gather your own straw because obviously you have all this extra time. So when, <clears throat> when Moses went back and the people heard that, they were really angry and upset at Moses. Once again, just like 40 years ago, except this time Moses toughed it out. This time Moses said, God is going to get, go, go with us. God is going to uh, deliver us. And so then from Exodus chapters 5 through 15, you have this battle between, not really between Moses and Pharaoh, but between the God of Moses, the one true and living God, and the gods of Egypt that were no gods at all. And that's when we have all of these plagues. You've heard of those 10 plagues. That's what we have. <clears throat> we have water to blood, and this is some of the reading that's going to be coming up in the days ahead. Um, they turn Moses turns water to blood. He, he calls on frogs, calls down frogs, gnats, flies, uh, the death of the livestock, boils on on the bodies hail a uh, very difficult hail i remember when we lived in arlington in the metroplex we had some pretty bad hailstorms that just tore up some stuff uh, tore up cars tore up roofs it made me realize how dangerous hail could be at that size and that's what they did locust was another plague uh, finally darkness over all the earth even though it was the middle of the day and then the death of the firstborn and that's when we're introduced to the Passover. And that's what happens beginning um, in Exodus 12. And it's a, it's a great, great story because the Israelites are able to leave Egypt and on the way out, there they are at the banks of the Red Sea. And, um, and the people call on Moses, let's go back, let's go back. Uh, God tells them, hey, just be still and see the salvation of the Lord. But God tells Moses, nope, Tell my people to go forward. It's a great, great lesson for all of us right there when Moses and the people have just run away from Pharaoh and Egypt and they're there at the banks of the Red Sea and God allows them to cross over on dry ground. And then when the, uh, the army of Pharaoh goes after them, while the sea is still parted, God brings the sea together when the last of the Israelites are safe and Pharaoh's army is destroyed. Such a magnificent story of deliverance uh, that God has through Moses and through the faith of the people to do everything that God had called them to do, including uh, putting the blood of the animal on the doorposts of the door exterior, 
so that the uh, angel of death would pass over that house. That's where they got the name Passover. And the, the angel would pass over those homes of the Israelites, and they did not suffer at all. And it was that last plague where Pharaoh, who lost his own son, finally throws up in his hands and says, you win, your God wins, go, uh, go. And, uh, but he has a change of heart because after they've left Egypt and they're going and they come to the Red Sea, Pharaoh uh, goes after them. And uh, I love uh, Yul Brenner is uh, Pharaoh in uh, Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments, you know that one. Uh, and uh, it, it's a magnificent, magnificent story. And, uh, and Yul Brenner says the God of, of Israel is not a very good general because he's trapped his people at the Red Sea. But what Pharaoh did not know is that God is a great general. But more than that, he's a powerful creator and he is the God of the universe. And that's when Moses takes his staff and parts the Red Sea and the people go across on dry ground, including the bones of Joseph. Remember, Joseph told them, hey, when I die, and I will, you don't have to go back to our homeland to bury me, but you need to keep my uh, remains so that when God delivers you, and he will, and he returns you to our homeland, and he will, I want you to take my remains with you. And they actually did that. And Joseph is buried in the land that his descendants received after Moses, after Joshua conquered the land and then began to dole it out. Uh, Joseph is able to find uh, a place for his final resting place there. Again, lots of exciting stories here in the first several chapters of Exodus. There's more to come as the Israelites are in the wilderness wanderings. Remember, Moses is leading them now in the last third of his life, 40, 40, 40, 40 years as this, uh, raised as the son of Pharaoh's daughter, 40 years in the wilderness dealing with the people, or rather 40 years in Midian, uh, learning the lessons God has for him, and then 40 years after confronting Pharaoh, uh, crossing the Red Sea, going to Mount Sinai, and uh, receiving the law, and then guiding the people through uh, the wilderness. You're going to be reading about why they were in the wilderness for 40 years. That's coming up. Uh, that's coming up. Again, we won't have class on Friday, On I mean on Thursday. Uh, I'm afraid I can't make it Thursday, and so we'll take up the story next week, and over the next several days, you'll be reading these exciting chapters that have some of these exciting stories and much, much more. I pray that you have a good rest of your week. I hope that I can see you on Sunday, either live here at West Irwin Church of Christ on Facebook, uh, on our Facebook pages or on our website uh, live, or you can see those later as they are sent to our archives. And I pray that God will bless you and that God will be with you and that you will be with God. And that like Moses, instead of offering excuses, when you are called to go, when God has a task for you, that you will be willing to do what he's calling you and empowering you and has gifted and blessed you to do. God bless and I'll see you next Tuesday.